Hello everyone. Welcome to the Biohacking Beauty Podcast, where the future of skin health and beauty is unveiled. I'm Amitai Eshel, co-founder and CEO of Young Goose, the world's first biohacking skincare brand. And today I'm joined by my brilliant partner and co-host, Anastasia Khojaeva. Together, we're on a mission to decode the science of beauty and share groundbreaking innovations with you. In today's episode, we have the pleasure of speaking with Caroline Goodner, the visionary co-founder and CEO of Organicare. Caroline is a beacon of entrepreneurship and innovation in feminine healthcare, transforming the industry with her dedication to creating science-backed, accessible, natural products, which were which are fascinating. We'll be diving into the crucial world of vaginal health, discussing the impact these issues have on women's lives and uncovering the entrepreneurial journey that has led Caroline to where she is today. Before we dive into our conversation, I'd like to read a review from one of our Biohacking Beauty listeners. So Rita Adelina, writes, really love listening to your podcast to learn important lessons about what to do and what not to do for my skin. There are other companies out there that claim to help improve and maintain skin, but they are mostly anecdotal evidence. You delve into the science with great explanation and you make it fun. Can't wait to try your products. So we cannot wait for you to try our products as well. And thank you very much for this review. In general, if our podcast has touched or inspired you, we'd be incredibly grateful if you could take a moment to leave us a rating and review wherever you're listening to the podcast, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, wherever that is. Every word you share helps us reach more people and keep the conversation about beauty and wellness evolving and growing and helping as many people as we can. Now, without further ado, let's welcome Anastasia and Caroline Goodner to the Biohacking Beauty Podcast. Okay, so today, this is a very special episode because we are kind of stepping a little bit away from our beaten path of talking about facial skin. Um, uh, because we are obviously here to serve the community and the wellness of the entire biohacking community, if you will. So first of all, I invited Anastasia to be my co-interviewer because today we're interviewing, as I said in the in the opening, and a very, very interesting person. So first of all, Caroline, welcome to the Biohacking Beauty Podcast. Thank you so much. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, so we are going to talk a lot about vaginal health, and this is why obviously Anastasia is here. Yeah. And- yeah, and, and I'll, I'll let you guys shoot shoot the uh, the interview. If I, if I have any funny comments or, or <laughs> anything, I'll definitely jump in. Great, great. Please uh, <laughs> chime in anytime. So, Caroline, I'm really curious to know what sparked the creation of the Organic Care and how does it aim to revolutionize women's health care through the, its product offerings? Yeah, thanks for asking. So interestingly, we do have a tie-in to your skincare orientation. So Organicare was kind of formed with three co-founders. I'm one of them. And one of the other co-founders is from Italy. 
And he had this technology that we now use in our topical products. And this technology, which is which consists of oxygenated olive oil. So we take this special kind of olive oil, we put it through an oxygenation process, and the oxygen binds with the fatty acids in the oil, and it makes a natural peroxide. So we measure the peroxide bonds when we make it, and we, we do make it ourselves. And it's very kind of special antimicrobial. And initially, what, what they used it for in Italy were for chronic and persistent wounds like bed sores and diabetic ulcers. I mean, really nasty, bad wounds that weren't healing with other kinds of topicals. And so the idea was bring this special technology to the U.S. consumer market. And we actually started out with a product and a brand called Curoxin for first aid use and for mouth sores. And we still have Curoxin and we have mouth sore, cold sore and first aid products. But we learned a couple of years into the company back in 2019 that it works for yeast infection in women. And so we, you know, we created the brand FemaClear. And by 2020, we kind of realized we think the vaginal health, feminine health area is what we need to focus on just because there's so many opportunities there. So, you know, we do view it as a topical, even though, you know, for yeast infection, it's intravaginal. The skin or the vaginal tissue, when you get an infection, gets really inflamed. And it's, it's you know, as, as our medical advisors have described it, it's like having thousands of micro cuts in that sensitive yeah. tissue. So yeah. that has to be healed. You have to eliminate or kill the yeast that have overgrown when you have a yeast infection. And then we also, you know, kind of make it for bacterial vaginosis, which is an overgrowth of bacteria, et cetera. And so we have, you know, multiple different types of products. Our genital herpes products product does not cure herpes, of course, but it does help women manage or men manage their herpes outbreaks, which is yet another topical application. So, so that's how it kind of came to be from this crazy technology in Italy. And we brought it to the U.S., yeah, and uh, thank you, thank you for that. And I think also now that we talked a little bit about what kind of issues the product is impactful in, how about talking about the prevalence of these issues? Because you know, I, I'm, I'm assuming most women that they're listening right now know, you know, about one or two or maybe all three issues you mentioned. But still, do you have any kind of statistics? For sure. And, and this is one of the things we love talking about. So thanks for asking. I'll lead with genital herpes because it is such a stigmatized condition. And we like to make sure everybody knows one in five women has genital herpes. And, you know, people feel embarrassed about it or ashamed about it, and they shouldn't. And so we like making sure everybody knows that statistic because it's so important for people who have it to not feel alone and not feel, sure. you know, kind of embarrassed or whatever. Lots of people are going through it. And even more common are yeast infection and bacterial vaginosis. Bacterial vaginosis is incredibly common. And what's particularly problematic about it is that 50% of women who have a BV infection will get another one within six months. So it's this kind wow. of recurring problem that happens. Likewise, yeast infection, people who get yeast infection, you know, there, there are recurrences as well, um, not as often as BV, but one in three women will get a yeast infection or a BV infection in their lifetime. So it's pretty common. And so I'm curious, the, um, since you were talking about how these conditions are reoccurring, and we know that there is no cure, 
you know, for herpes. So what about the the bacterial vaginosis or the yeast infection? Like with, let's say, Femiclear, you know, once a person went through treatment, is there any kind of like um, guarantee of it not coming back? Or is it like a maintenance tool? What is it really? That's a great question. It is like a treatment. So when you get an infection and, and people who've had infections before will know kind of what those early signs are. For yeast infection and bacterial vaginosis, the symptoms are discharge with BV. There's a fishy odor that comes with it that women really hate and, and want to get rid of. You know, and so, so there, there are some telltale symptoms that people who've gotten them before know. If you've never had one before, you should go to your doctor first to get diagnosed and make sure you know what you've got so that you can treat it the right way with the right type of product. But yeah, it's, a, you know, the, these, with Femiclear, we've done clinical studies on each of these conditions and we kind of know what the elimination of symptoms looks like. So with our BV product, for example, over 90% of women said all of their symptoms were eliminated which is actually wow. even better than the prescription that doctors can prescribe for BV, which only addresses about 60 to 70% of cases. So Femiclear is really effective. And that's actually one of the things that we really talk about the most is when somebody's got an infection or an outbreak, they really want a product that's going to work. And just happily, Femiclear also only has natural ingredients in it. So most women would prefer to use natural if they can, uh, as of long course. as it works, particularly yeah. when they're, you know, putting it in the most sensitive area on their bodies. So we're, we, we always talk about effectiveness and how important that is. You know, it doesn't guarantee that you're not going to get another one, but I will say on our BV study, which is the most highly reoccurring infection, mm -hmm. we looked at, you know, kind of what, what the typical average woman you know, is likely to experience a recurrence 50% of the, you know, 50% of women will get a recurrence within six months. And in our study, when people used Femiclear, only 30% of women got a recurrence within six months. So there, there does seem to be, a, yeah, an improvement in terms of recurrence rate. For sure. And another question I have, so we talked about, you know, physical challenges, right? Like uh, going, you know, having symptoms, you mentioned odor, you know, there are others, I'm assuming itchiness, anything else, discharge, like you mentioned. But what about mental aspects? I, I'm sure there is a, you know, intersection between the physical health and, you know, the lack of... Yeah, uh, I mean, we, we see it a lot in, in skincare. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, going back to, you know, for example, taking care of your skin, right? right? If you have an acne outbreak, if you have... Any other, you know, things about your skin, be it signs of aging, be it pigmentation that you're unhappy about, it, it affects your mental health. So, you know, maybe we can talk about how your products are impactful for, for in that sense. Yeah, no, you are absolutely right. I can imagine how, you know, facial skin, so visible to the world, I'm sure that does have an impact. What we hear from, from our, you know, women that, that use these products for yeast infection and BV, that, you know, it, it just makes people feel kind of unclean, kind of dirty, we've heard. They feel embarrassed. Um, they certainly don't want to be intimate with their partner, things like that. Genital herpes, we've done quite a bit of study and research on people with herpes. And, and we've asked, like, how did you feel when you were first diagnosed? 
And oh my gosh, the mental health impact was huge. There's not a mild adjective that was ever used when we did that research. People would say shamed, dirty, embarrassed would be light. Some people even felt suicidal. And, oh and yeah, no, I mean, it's because it, 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 people think this is the end, it, that this could be, you know, the end of my, you know, sexual life, could be the end of my relationship life. It's not that way. We want to just make sure anybody listening knows that it really doesn't need to be that way. This is a very manageable condition. All three of these are, are manageable conditions, but but mental health impact is huge with these. Because I, I think I think because it deals with, you know, again, the most intimate part of a woman's body, it feels very core to who they are. Yeah. And, and so it just mm-hmm. impacts people very strongly. And that's why it's so motivating to be involved in, in such a personal kind of issue and to be able to provide better help, better effectiveness, faster return to normal. And, and that's really what we do. You know, our, our products tend to, you know, have an impact after just 24 hours and can generally clear things up within just a few days. That's super, super interesting. Mm-hmm. I, I couldn't agree with you more also mm-hmm. in the assessment that this is, you know, you spoke uh, before about the sensitivity of that area. And that is obviously you meant the, the physical sensitivity, but we can talk about the mental sensitivity as well, which you've just mentioned, which is, again, a huge issue. And I think we all are walking around in the world, basically telling ourselves that we are a hundred out of a hundred, you know, that we are perfect and completely functional. And then the, when there is something that signals the fact that we do have an, some, any, any type of dysfunction in the body, that is a hit to our psyche as much as it, it's hit, a hit physically. And also, I think probably it, it, it's an echo chamber. So one actually contributes the other to the other. And so this is very, very, very important to have a discussion around it. I'm interested, you know, you did, you did mention the oxygenated olive oil that you guys are using, which is super interesting in and on its own. And we have seen, you know, prevalence of anything from like ozone oils to hydrogen peroxide being applied in different ways. So this is an f- interesting topic in and on its own, but I'm interested, how do you create a different product line out of this one ingredient or one, you know, I would say system? What other ingredients are there in each one of the formulations that then, you know, gives it that direction? Yeah, for sure. Great question. And yeah, the core, what we call our substrate, which is that oxygenated olive oil is is a, a key ingredient, but we definitely have other ingredients that are known to be effective against whatever microbe it is that we're addressing. So in the case of yeast infection, candida albicans, candida glabrata, you know, those are the those are the yeasts we're trying to, to eliminate with, you know, we use thymol for our BV product because it's known to be active against Gardnerella vaginalis, which is the bacteria that overgrows in a BV infection. We use lemongrass in our herpes product because that's known to be effective against HSV1 and HSV2, which are the two herpes strains that can cause genital herpes. So we do have other additives that we include in these formulas. And then it's the final formula that we use to do our clinical studies and our lab studies. So that's one of the kind of key hallmarks for us is we like to make sure that it's going to work and we like to have data that supports efficacy. So the lab testing that we do is kind of a standard, uh, what they call an FDA's ASTM type test that shows how even in a lab Petri dish, 
if you put our product in with uh, with Gardnerella vaginalis, we'll measure to see how much does it eliminate. And and in our case, it eliminates these different microbes 99.9% of the time. And then in our clinical studies, we have people test the products that, you know, have these conditions and they report back to us how, you know, what their experience was, how were their symptoms eliminated? And that's how we get that data. I see. And I have another question on that note. So typically when you on a quest to eliminate bad bacteria, unfortunately you end up, you know, kind of disturbing the microbiome and, you know, eliminating all of the bacteria, the good and the bad. So with a lot of uh, protocols for, you know, uh, supporting, let's say, gut microbiome or a skin microbiome, if you had to eliminate the bad bacteria, you then have to kind of like seed the good bacteria. So I'm just curious, how do you guys support the healthy microbiome with your products? Do you have like a before and after product for your protocol or is it, yeah, just tell us a little bit about that. That's an excellent question and an excellent point. I think part of what makes Femiclear work well is that number one, it's only a two-day dose. So you only have to kind of use it for a couple of days and it will take care of those things. But you're absolutely right that you're kind of, you're, you're, you're eliminating all of the bacteria and, you know, when, when you're using that kind of product. So we have a probiotic that is known to help populate the vaginal flora with, with the, you know, kind of microbiome, um, you know, bacteria and yeast, because there's healthy bacteria and yeast that you want. And so we always recommend using a daily probiotic. And so Femiclear has a vaginal probiotic that, that you take orally, but it is, it's been studied, clinically studied and shown to populate the, the healthy vaginal microbiome. That's great. And you would say probably this is something that people should do, even if they don't have any signs of issue, just as, you know, as a preventative care, would that be considered, would, would that be something you recommend to everyone, even someone that's not no. affected? I think that's really an individual choice. I mean, you know, there are some people that really like to take lots of supplements and, and like to keep and maintain their health. So if this is something, if you ever feel off down there vaginally, it, it might be something that you'd want to do. If you're perfectly healthy and, and nothing's going wrong, I'm not sure that I would recommend it to that person. You know, if everything okay. is completely fine. I'm not really a fan of taking things unless you have a good reason for, for needing them. But a lot of people do have periodic, you know, just being off balance, not feeling quite right down there. And in that case, I would, I would definitely recommend it. For sure. Hey there, this is Amitai, co-founder and CEO of Young Goose and uh, host of the Biohacking Beauty podcast. I wanted to take a brief moment to share something really special with you, our dedicated listeners. At Young Goose, we've always been about more than just skincare. We are about cellular care. We believe in not just addressing the signs, but truly diving into the very source of skin aging. The reality is, as time goes on, our skin undergoes damage, and this damage accumulates, gradually leading to those signs of aging we all see and know very well. But what if we could hit the rewind button? What if we could delve deep, in, uh, not into the layers of the skin, but into the life-sustaining mechanisms of our skin cells? That's exactly what we're doing at Young Goose. We're pioneering a renaissance in skincare, 
by employing principles from regenerative medicine. By rejuvenating and restoring the cellular functions, our products aim to rewind time, gifting your skin a youthful, vibrant glow. And for our Biohacking Beauty listeners, we have a special treat. Head over to youngboost.com right now and use the code PODCAST10 to get 10% off your first purchase. Discover the magic of truly transformative skincare. And hey, because we value our returning customers just as much, use PODCAST5 on your subsequent purchases to get 5% off. And the best part, that this discount can be combined with subscriptions in our already discounted systems. So why wait? Dive deep into the realm of regenerative skincare with Young Goose and let your skin thank you. Remember, it's not just skincare, it's cellular care. And now back to our conversation. I'm just curious to find out are there any um, moments that you you know of that women, you know, let's say if a woman is under a lot of stress or and that can just, you know, lower her immune system and be make her more susceptible to catching, you know, yeast infection or bacterial vaginosis. And then you would say, you know, just for preventative measures, take probiotic you know, for down there. Or another question in the same kind of realm I have is, I know for a fact that when you're pregnant, you have like a vaginal, a little bit of a dysbiosis, like it's just with the hormonal changes down there, it's just much more likely to get either bacterial or yeast infection. And I know that uh, kind of like modern uh, hyper-wellness OBGYNs kind of offer pregnant women to take probiotics specifically for vaginal health, because there is also, you know, like closer to the end of pregnancy, there are certain tests to see if you have a specific bacteria and then you can be more susceptible. Like you can, it can actually prevent you from um, like a vaginal delivery or put a risk for vaginal delivery and make you more at risk for C-section. So do you have anything to, to talk, you know, like to shed a light on that subject? Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. I mean, there there are certain triggers that women have that will kind of throw their balance off. And that balance being thrown off can be just, again, as mild as I just feel a little off down there, or it could be a full-blown infection. Or you're right, like in the case of genital herpes, one of the things that I know they give to women when they're nearing delivery time they will give them an antiviral prescription to take so that it's, you know, hopefully will prevent an outbreak from happening. Because if you have an outbreak, you definitely will be getting a C-section because a herpes outbreak during a live birth can can actually impact mm-hmm. the child in a negative way. So for sure. And in fact, you know, one of the one of our newest products is what we call our infection protection cream. And this is something that can be used at trigger points. So women that get recurring infections know often what triggers them. Sex is a big is a big one for BV and UTI. We have a UTI infection protection product as well. But just like you say, hormonal imbalances, some some women get an infection or or get imbalanced at certain times during their, their monthly cycle. So there are, you know, I, I think women know their bodies better than anybody else. I mean that, you know, and so I think they do know when intervention would be great to have. 
And so, you know, we would recommend, you know, kind of using those sort of infection protection products at those trigger points. A probiotic, I think, is more something you'd want to do daily if you have the occasional infection. If you if you get infections, it's better to use a probiotic on a more, you know, regular daily basis. I see. I see. Well, and I think to shift gears a little bit, we can also talk about how this entrepreneurial journey, you know, uh, impacted you personally. So, you know, we're entrepreneurs ourselves, so we know it's a journey of highs and lows. <laughs> so what are some of the most valuable lessons you learned through creating Organic Care and FemiClear in particular? Yeah, I, yeah, I'm kind of addicted to it. <laughs> I started my first <laughs> company when I was in my 20s, which was a while ago. And so this is my fourth company that I've led, third to wow. co-found or found. So I can't imagine operating any other way other than entrepreneurially. I feel like there, you know, there's certain things that it takes to, to do this kind of crazy work because you do, while there's some really great, you know, excitement with it, I love not having the same day, any two days in a row. Um, you also do get your, a, an extra handful of problems you have to solve all the time. And so to me, you know, persistence is one of those things that you've got to have and resilience. Um, when those when those problems come crashing down, but it also gives you great opportunities. I think one of the things I've I've always subscribed to, and this isn't every entrepreneur necessarily, but I like having a truly different and disruptive product or service. The first company I had was a was a DNA testing company. We did paternity testing and forensic DNA testing. Wow. And we launched that with a new technology, and uh, and so that was really exciting. You know, with FemiClear, I feel like, the, you know, these are products that are serving under innovated or not innovated conditions at all. And so we're bringing something new, which is efficacy and natural ingredients to categories and conditions that don't have that. And so being able to be really clearly different than and giving consumers more choice, you know, a different choice uh, for many consumers, a better choice is something that really, you know, makes it super exciting for me. You know, that that's my preference. You know, I, I, gosh, I mean, the things I've, I've learned and still have yet to learn are too, too numerous to count. But I'll say, the, you know, kind of having your, you know, a team that you really can depend on and, and rely on. I mean, who you work with is kind of the number one, right? Um, for sure. Thing. Yeah, so. I think, I, first of all, I agree. We love, we love our team. We literally use those words, not to yeah. their face, but no, uh, but the, <laughs> we literally use those words. Like we feel like, you know, I come from a military background. We really feel like we're in the foxhole with them. Right. Mm. Uh, and, and I couldn't agree more. And I think what I'm connecting to what you're saying specifically is that, you know, desire to bring something disruptive, not necessarily because to, to ruffle feathers, but really because you think that they're there is a different solution. Things can be done better, etc. And 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 to give that service that you know uh, you feel no one else uh, brings to the table. I mean, this is why we started our company. That's why we start other businesses that we start. I think it's it's uh, definitely the leading desire of an entrepreneur to say, you know, I see some challenge that's not being met properly. And I'm and I'm wondering within within the confines. That's again your fourth company. And as you said, you know, I've learned a lot. I'm going to learn a lot. 
what are some of the difficulties? We had a lot of difficulties bringing products that didn't even have a name or didn't have a paradigm around how they are used to the market. I'm really interested within that, that journey, what were some of the challenges of bringing a disruptive product to the market? Yeah, no, great question. I, I think it's, um, you're right. It's when it's, when you're trying to describe something nobody's heard of before, it can be challenging coming up with the right language that's simple enough, that doesn't require a 10 minute explanation. You know, it's, it's really in, in communication and, and how do we describe what we're describing in a way that's clear, succinct, quick, and, and people can say, ah, I got it. I got it. That that is, you know, that that's a that's a great idea. And you know, it's easy to describe in long, long sentences. It's really tough to be brief and clear. But so I think that that's probably one of those hardest things to do. And and changing people's behavior is tough, right? It's hard to make sure people know why should I care about this? And you have to explain why they should care. And then why should I believe you that it's gonna do what you say it's gonna do? And yeah. but if you can get those two things nail down you know why what is it why should they care and why should they believe you to me those are those are key questions that if you can answer them succinctly you you, you achieve something for sure and um since we're talking about you know women's healthcare here the whole field has been evolving really rapidly which makes me very happy as a female you know we now, finally, we're talking about the cyclical nature of females, and there is just so much more education of how you can take care of yourself as a woman in all aspects of your life. And so with all of these changes, like what some of the are some of the trends that you foresee for women's healthcare market? And how do you plan to position yourself at the forefront? Yeah, I mean, I think I think even before COVID happened, right, a, a lot of people were trying to take more and more control of their healthcare maintenance, prevention, you know, instead of always automatically going to the doctor, they were searching Dr. Google, which, you know, <laughs> is okay, not okay, yeah. um, depending on who the source mm -hmm. is that you're reading. But, you know, there's a desire that people have for, you know, kind of managing more of their own healthcare. And I, I think it's actually a really healthy thing because, you know, people do learn, research and figure out what works for them. So I think that will continue. And I think it'll be, you know, kind of stronger and stronger. I think that's why a lot of the telehealth businesses that have cropped up are doing well, uh, you know, because people can get, you know, access to medical help, but, but in less traditional ways. And I think, I think that's a, a move in the, in a positive direction. It's efficient. It's, you know, uh, it, it's it's an easier way for the the patient to be in the driver's seat, and uh, and so you know we want to continue to align on that. I mean, the the very nature of all of our conditions we handle are that they are self manageable, and uh, mm -hmm. and so we we you know kind of want to continue on down that path and and help people you know continue to do that and do it more often. Got it. Yeah, I'm I'm super excited that we got a chance to. Yeah you know, bring awareness to many of these issues and the products that exist to manage it, as you said, in the most natural way. Yeah, I, I'm wondering, so this, again, um, you did something very interesting as far as uh, Femicare, which is to take a technology that really is open source, open-ended, 
where you could take it to a, a million different directions as you as you said in the beginning you know it was it was a part of wound healing we can actually by the way a lot, many technologies uh, started in wound healing and transitioned to not also vaginal care but in general mucosal mucosal care uh, whether it is oral or vaginal we can see it obviously with red light we can see it with different suppositories bu- bu- buccal torque uh, trochees and their you know ca- counterparts uh, vaginal ca- counterparts so this is very interesting do you have plans for future products how do you see this technology that you have going forward yeah that's a, it's a great question it's one it is one of the things that we've had to be kind of or tried to be disciplined about is not to go everywhere we could go because there, are, you know, anything topical, you know, or a condition of the skin that starts because of a fungus, bacteria, or a virus, we're, we have a good candidate for it. Um, but we want to be really mindful about the conditions that we choose and building out really a vaginal health brand. So we've actually brought additional products that help the, the yeast infection sufferer or the person who's got genital herpes or who, you know, gets recurring BV infections. And we, you know, have, have added products that don't even necessarily leverage that technology in every product. So we have some supplements like the probiotic that I mentioned. We have a lysine drink mix supplement for people with herpes. And so, you know, these are, these are adjacent products that really more fully address the, everything that a person with that condition might need. And so we do want to keep building out so that we are more thoroughly helpful to those people, not just when they've got an infection or when they've got an outbreak, but to help prevent, you know, as many outbreaks or infections as as they normally would have. I wonder if uh, you'll ever do like a vaginal lubricant. I think it would be very interesting as far as, you know, taking that preventative step together with one of the triggers. That would be an interesting one to, to, to see how it plays out. Well, for sure, you know, menopause and dryness that is on our horizon. You know, we're thinking about that. And I think that we could be really helpful there as well. Well, maybe something that normally I keep to to kind of towards the end of the interview. But um, what what are some of the are there any counterindications or is there anything that you're saying? You know, we talked about pregnancy before. Um, Is there any anything that people should know before they say, as you said, consult Dr. Google and jump right ahead uh, to using the products? You know, I mean, because there's only natural ingredients in these products, there's really not anything we're aware of. I mean, look at the ingredients, make sure you're not allergic to any of the ingredients that we have in them, but they're not, they're not highly allergenic ingredients in the first place. So so, so there's not really much, you know, I always advise people, like if you are pregnant or if you've got some sort of immunocompromised condition, always check with your doctor. But yeah. generally, no, these are, the, these are pretty effective, but not risky products uh, and ingredients. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. I mean, I think this was a great interview and, and I think it's a very refreshing conversation uh, that we don't normally have on the podcast. Normally we have a discussion about a novel ingredient that can make you younger and uh, something that, uh, I don't know, that you should use with lasers or something. So now that's a great uh, respite, I think, from it. Yeah, so let's go to the more functional or more actionable aspect of using the products. Where can a person purchase it? Uh, Is it online? What kind of uh, stores can can they purchase it? 
Yeah. So Walgreens, Walmart, Rite Aid, Amazon, on our own femiclear.com site and some smaller regional um, kind of players. But yeah, mm-hmm. they can they can find it in any of those stores or online at Amazon or femiclear.com. Fantastic. And how can people kind of uh, keep in touch with the brand? Maybe they don't have anything right now, but, uh, you know, so is there a, is there a, you know, a, a Instagram or anything like that? Yeah, we, we do have Instagram and Facebook. Our TikTok channel is probably the, the, the most active one, just because we have about you know, 400 or so thousand uh, TikTok followers. So yeah, find us on any of those social media channels. We, we do actually on TikTok, especially we do a lot of education. We found that, you know, and we don't just do education on conditions that we treat, but vaginal education, uh, vaginal health education overall. And so, uh, you know, some of some of the videos we have on there have gotten lots and lots of views and lots of engagement and a lot of, you know, a lot of good educating that's going on. And we love hearing from people and, and just, you know, providing information that people need. Fantastic. This, this was actually my, my question that I wanted to ask is if you have like a community that you were able to build and how can people, you know, as you were saying that a lot of people that uh, go through these, you know, challenges, they, they feel very alienated and there is a lot of stigma. And I think by having a community where people, you guys can educate and people can listen, you know, that can help destigmatize. And so I'm so happy to hear that you have, um, you know, this, uh, uh, booming and TikTok channel where I'm sure our listeners now can go join, educate themselves and uh, just familiarize themselves with uh, what's going on and, and, and how they can take care of it. So that's amazing. We're so happy that you found time to talk to us. I really hope everyone enjoyed the episode. And yeah. Thank well, you thank so much. you so much for having me. I love what you guys are doing. Thanks for going a little outside of your typical topic structure and and uh stepping into vaginal health it's really helpful i mean i always am grateful anytime i get to talk about this because there's bound to be lots of people who struggle with these issues and they need to know that that they don't need to struggle as much as they have been and we hope they'll give our products a try and and uh hopefully they don't need to but but if they do need to it's good to know they're there so exactly everything you guys are doing it's great it's really wonderful. Thank you, Caroline. Again, uh, show notes are going to have all the links that we've talked about right now, whether it's a website or the TikTok, the Instagram, everything. So make sure to check that out. Caroline, again, thank you very much and uh, much uh, continued success to you and, and uh, Femicare. Thank you so much. And Organic thank Care you. and everyone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Take care. Thank you very much. Thank See you, you so guys. This has been indeed an amazing uh, discussion. As we wrap up this episode, we'd like to thank Caroline for her time and the wealth of knowledge that she shared with us. It's been an enlightening conversation that uh, really has broadened our understanding of the intersections between health, beauty, and obviously uh, vaginal health. So we're really, really grateful for her time spending here with us. Now, I would like to take a moment to answer some of the questions you, our listeners, have sent in. So we, since I was uh, a guest on Ben Greenfield podcast, and I have um, discussed some controversial, in some people's eyes, controversial topics, we've gotten a lot of uh, requests to elaborate on that. Some of them were creating podcasts around, 
And some of them, I believe here is a, a great place to expand on. So we have gotten a lot of questions about portable red light therapy devices. I'm not going to name any, any brands, but there are uh, a growing um, business of devices, red light therapy devices that, and, and if you want to dive more into uh, red light therapy, we have recorded, I believe, one or two episodes about red light therapy, and we're planning on having more in the future. But red light therapy devices normally come as panels, as red light therapy masks, and portable cordless devices. And a lot of people were asking if these are similar to lasers I mentioned in the podcast. What's the difference? So red light therapy, first of all, is not a damage-inducing technology. Rather, it is stimulating our mitochondria. It does create some free radicals releasing from the mitochondria, a little bit of inflammation. But for the most part, it just fuels repair through more energy through your mitochondria and uh, dilation of blood vessels. The problem is, is that we really need not only the correct wavelength, which is pretty easy to uh, find devices that have the correct wavelength, we also need to find the correct stimulation as far as power. Too much is going to create a lot of, a lot of thermal energy, which is heat and burn us, and too little is not going to create enough stimulation to the mitochondria. It's like trying to work out with a very light weight that doesn't create any type of exertion. So that's as far as why normally we would recommend panels as far as like red light therapy devices. As far as like devices that we move around our face, I'm sure everyone has been targeted with ads for them. The problem is, is that imagine you're going to, um, normally they're not very strong. Uh, actually, none of them are, are very strong. But even they, if they were of adequate strength, imagine we took a, a weight and instead of doing a you know, a set of exercises with it, like we would normally do in the gym. We'll lift it above our heads, you know, for a certain amount of repetitions, and then we're going to go to the next exercise. We would just swing it around and have each one of our muscles just, you know, contract just a little bit and we're, we're, we'll move on. Obviously, we're not going to grow any muscle mass that way because we're not creating the right amount of stress or, or continuous stress. And red light therapy is very similar where we need to create prolonged stress, accumulated stress, and the right accumulation of energy. So we actually measure that simulation, not by the milliwatts, which would be the out, the energy output, but by joules, which are those milliwatts per second, basically, per time period. And why is that important? It's because if I move, some, uh, move a device around, whether it is on my body or, or on my face, what I'm really doing is not, I'm, I'm not accumulating any stimulation. I'm creating a little bit of stimulation and moving on. And that is actually not going to create any results. What about keeping those devices on the face? So part of the strategy of some of those devices is to have a, a, a heating coil as part of the mechanism. And that's just like straight up heat. And that is to create some, a little bit of swelling in the tissue and, and create some results. And the problem with that is that if we left that heated surface, which is normally around 42 centigrades, use Google to translate it, normally it's 42 centigrades, we're actually going to create too much heat for the tissue. So for the most part, these devices are not the best devices to use for for um, facial rejuvenation. Masks are fine, especially if we use them very, very consistently, you know, every other day for 15, 20 minutes. 
but they are, I don't believe they're more comfortable than sitting in front of a panel for 10, 15 minutes, and they are not as powerful by any stretch of the imagination. So we normally recommend panels. If really masks are your jam, then for sure do that. And of course, if you are using red light therapy, I couldn't recommend enough our green tea phytoserum, which its purpose is to improve the effects of red light therapy that actually actually double the effects of red light therapy as far as like skin rejuvenation and some other benefits. If you're interested, again, we have a specific podcast about that. So question number one was about red light therapy. What are the best devices? And we did get a lot of questions. Before I start, we did get a lot of questions due to my appearance in, in the Ben Greenfield podcast. So I, I'll try to answer some questions around, uh, I'll try to give some answers around the questions that were asked about that. First was about red light therapy and is there a diff? I, I did state that lasers and radio frequency are not the best thing to use if we want a balance between, or, or we want to have an easy balance between skin longevity and optimal skin appearance right now. And uh, people were asking if uh, infrared saunas and red light therapy were included in my recommendation to consider avoiding. And the answer is no, they are not. So infrared sauna has actually nothing to do with that. It's it's a heat heating element. And, and the answer, the quick answer is no. As far as red light therapy devices, and obviously we're talking about at-home devices right now. And when I was talking about podcast, in the podcast, I was mainly talking about professional devices. But for at-home devices, red light therapy doesn't actually create damage. What it does, it stimulates energy production and vasodilation and, and basically the, the dilation of blood vessels, which gives you more nutrients since more blood is getting to that area where we're exposing red light therapy to. Within that, I would definitely recommend panels, red light therapy panel. That would be my first recommendation. If that is not something that's comfortable for you, a red light therapy mask, I would definitely not recommend portable handheld cordless red light therapy devices. And the reason is, is that first of all, they're never strong enough and we need a very certain amount of strength. And I'm not talking about wavelength. Wavelength is the color, basically. Strength is the output, is how much light are we getting? You know, imagine you have a light bulb. It can be dim, it can be stronger. It's not about the color, it's about the amount of energy we're getting. So too much would heat up the tissue too much, we're gonna burn ourselves. These don't really exist. Too little just doesn't do anything, doesn't stimulate your mitochondria enough. And so we need the just the right amount. And uh, this right amount is normally at source, so at zero distance is about 125 milliwatts per centimeter squared. The reason I don't like portable devices, even if they were strong enough, is that the recommendation is to move them around. They normally have a small cir circumference and we need to move them around to cover our whole face. And what we're doing there is that we're not stimulating, we're not exposing the mitochondria for continuous stimulation to create that result. So we're creating very minimal stimulation that's not gonna do anything. Someone might ask, what about leaving it at one spot for a long period of time that might work. Some of these devices have a heating element associated with them, a heating coil. So you might want to avoid that because it's going to heat, overheat your skin and create some thermal damage. But again, if we go back to leaving it on one spot, that's probably uncomfortable. And being in front of a panel or a, ma a mask, a, a, a pliable mask is probably going to be a much more comfortable option. Aside from the fact that these devices are norm normally not cheap, especially if, again, if they're cheap, they're probably not great. 
So they're not cheap. So uh, value for money in in my eyes, portable or, or panels are the best. You know, panel right right now. My favorite company is called Mito uh, Mito Red. We we have no. We're not getting compensated by saying that. Uh, but you know, you can get get a panel for five hundred, six hundred dollars with amazing warranty, and you wouldn't need anything else. So that's what I would do. Masks are also great, but they are. You really need to use them extremely consistently, and you can't use them on other body parts. So, but normally they're not as strong as panels. So panels are my number one option. Now, uh, second question was about radio frequency. So radio frequency is basically a professional treatment. At home devices, radio frequency devices, just forget about them. They are they they don't work. Professional radio frequency RF. Some people will hear about RF R. What it what it does it heats up the tissue deep into the the skin, and they basically create a scar tissue. So they inflame the area, they create scar tissue, and that scar tissue either you don't create scar tissue and the inflammation goes away, it can take like six months, and then you're you're not left with any cumulative results. It goes back to what it was. Or if there is scar tissue, that scar tissue now impairs the mechanical function of our skin. Our skin glides on top of itself, of our fascia, fascia muscles, fat, etc. So we're breaking up that mechanical congruence and we're going to create faster aging, uh, accumulation of aging. Remember, aging is the accumulation of unrepaired damage. So we're creating damage. If we're not repairing it, no bueno, we're going to age faster. Radio frequency, I don't recommend doing. Again, if you're talking about home devices, what are our options? Something that's not strong enough and not going to do anything, or it is strong enough, and you are not a professional, and you can hurt yourself. And I would argue even a professional would, would hurt you. So I wouldn't recommend them. The third question, I did mention that lasers can cause long-term, can be a detriment long-term. Why is that? It's because it's like being a professional athlete. You know, professional athletes, obviously, they finish their careers at 30, 35. Normally, by age 40, they need hip replacement or knee replacement or whatever. They have a lot of injuries. That's the same with laser. Lasers, what they are aimed to do is to provide you with the best skin performance right now. So they're providing you with the best appearance of your skin right now. But in order to do that, it, it is, again, stimulating damage, which your skin now needs to repair. So that is a formula for, you know, that you're going to pay for later on. Everything I'm saying, you need to understand that I'm not telling you don't do anything. But, get, you know, consider the fact that you need to do two things. First of all, you need to kind of evaluate how often you want to do it. And the second thing is that you really need exactly like a professional athlete, everything else needs to be on point if you want to maintain, if you want to be the Tom Brady of people who are using lasers, right? So what you want to do basically is everything else has to be completely dialed in. Your diet, your obviously gut health, sleep, obviously skincare and all of that and, and so on and so forth. Everything that this podcast is about has to be perfect for you to 
indulge in those treatments, okay? I did mention red light therapy before. You could use red, uh, red light therapy in order to improve, you know, recovery and things like that. Obviously, using also our green tea phytoserum, which improves the effects of red light therapy. If we did do lasers or microneedling or anything that creates damage in the skin, we want to use BioBarrier after. We want to use our ProCare, especially, you know, ProCare, Senolytic Serum, and CARE, NAD Boosting Moisturizer, and the hyperbaric mask, all of them create a functionally younger skin. We actually want to do them a month, two months, three months before doing those laser treatments in order to have the, the best performing skin when we're meeting that damage from the laser. Within that, there was another question people were asking, okay, but there are what, what are called non-ablative lasers. Are these okay? So again, these are better because we are creating significantly less damage, but we're still dealing with an, an unnatural, an unnatural, as you can see, it's unnatural for me to say unnatural, but unnatural demand for repair. And that unnatural demand for repair creates mistakes with it. So if we stimulated, you know, just arbitrary, 100 units of damage, only 90 units of them are going to get repaired. So we're left with 10 units of damage. Okay. So long-term that can accumulate. So we need to make sure that we're treating ourselves like a, a professional athlete if we're doing those things. And again, we need to make sure that we are minima or, or we're really managing the amount of times we're doing that and doing everything around it. So I hope this helped. Obviously, this is something that we will be happy to answer any questions in the future that you have around the subject. I hope this has has shed some light on any uh, confusion that you've had. If you haven't listened to the Ben Greenfield podcast that I was on, go ahead. It's one of the latest ones. So, so uh, go ahead to his platform and, and look for that podcast. Remember, if you are eager to have your question featured on the Biohacking Beauty podcast, simply leave them in a review on Apple Podcasts or anywhere else you're listening to this podcast, and we might answer them in our next episode or in any episodes that, that they're specifically relevant to. In any case, thank you very much, everyone, for joining us for another uh, Biohacking Beauty episode. If you enjoyed our dialogue today, please consider leaving a review or a rating or both. It means the absolute world to us. And our mission is, again, to empower your journey towards optimal health and beauty. Until next time. I was Amitai, Anastasia was here with me today. We are reminding you that the secret to skin health and beauty is also about nourishing your health from within. So stay tuned for more episodes where we continue to explore the art and science of biohacking beauty. Goodbye, and thank you everyone.